here tonight. Uh, tonight we're going to be in 2 Samuel to start, but we'll kind of be all around um, <clears throat> uh, the end of 1 Samuel and in the beginning of 2 Samuel. But we're going to start with 2 Samuel uh, chapter 5. We're going to look at verse 19 to begin. Um, I start here um, at this particular verse because this is the verse um, that uh, as I was... Uh, uh, going through Samuel, uh, recently I've been going through um, uh, the life of David in my Bible reading and Bible study, just trying to get a, a good um, handle on his life and not just uh, just a generic uh, or a general knowledge. That's what, uh, something the Lord's convicted me of recently. Is It's so easy when we read, you just kind of read chapter by chapter and just, okay, you kind of get this general picture of what's going on. Uh, but, you know, there, there's much more in there than just a general picture. And I, I found when I started reading um, and not uh, paying attention so much to the chapter divisions and verse divisions, that things uh, seem to be a little bit more uh, cohesive. Things make a little bit more sense uh, that way at times. But um, anyways, so we're going to start uh, with uh, 2 Samuel chapter 5. I was over in 1 Samuel, so I just need a second. That, that's something that uh, preachers do sometimes. If uh, they're not in the right spot, they talk a while until they can get to their spot, right? So, anyways. All right, here, here we are in 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 19. It says, And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to the Philistines? Wilt thou deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said unto David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into thine hand. Now, when I uh, read this verse, I thought, man, that is a great verse. David, he's just asked God what he should do, and God gave him assurance that he is doubtless going to have the victory to go up against the Philistines here, when he goes up against the Philistines. And then I thought, well, you know, before I develop a message on this verse, I should look into the context of, what, of the verse, right? So, you know, it's always a good thing to go and look at the context of, of scripture, um, a lot of false doctrines have been built off of just a couple of verses, right? So they don't look at the context, they just look at the verse and build their doctrine off of it. So um, anyways, when I went back and I started uh, looking at the circumstances of David's life at this time, I realized that David is going through a time of transition in his life. And the more I studied uh, that out, um, I found uh, just a, a couple of things uh, that really spoke to me, and I thought I'd share that with you tonight. So in this time of David's life, he's going through a transition. Um, it uh, takes place over the course of, um, I think it's about uh, roughly seven years, the whole time of transition, but a lot of things happened in a short period of time, about two years approximately. Uh, Saul, um, he... Uh, He's killed. Um, we'll get into that. I'm getting ahead of myself here a little bit. Sorry. Uh, um, a little bit uh, excited to preach. I, I very much appreciate the opportunity. and I get a little excited sometimes and ahead of myself here. But I'm going to slow down. Okay. So in our, let's pray. Maybe we should start there. That would be a good place to start, right? I love the Wednesday night crowd. You guys are very uh, gracious. So let's... Uh, Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the time you've given to us. We thank you, uh, Father, just for the opportunity to um, be able to come here and uh, fellowship with one another and hear your word preached. I pray, Lord, that uh, the message 
would be exactly what we need tonight. I pray that you would help me to keep my thoughts clear. Um, I pray, Father, that um, you would uh, just uh, be honored and glorified by what's said and done here tonight, and we'll thank you for that. And we love you in your name. Amen. So David is going through a transition in his life, and in our lives as well, we face times of transition, times of trials. I remember um, I was, I want to say I was 10 years old, no, 11 years old, 2003. My dad had just finished uh, Bible college. Um, he was one of the smart people, okay? You have these students, they'll, they'll finish their four-year degree in two years or three years, then you have the smart people. They like to go all the way to the four years. Or if you're a genius like me, you go five. All right. And uh, Randy over here, my father-in-law, he can attest to that as well. So my dad, um, uh, he uh, went to Ambassador Baptist College where uh, Rachel is at right now. And uh, he went there for six years um, off and on as he uh, worked. He did what he could for classes, things like that. But in 2003, I remember... Uh, he felt that the Lord was calling him specifically into a pastoral type ministry and started, uh, you know, praying about that and um, just uh, taking the opportunities that the Lord gave him. And I remember uh, we went to three different places. Uh, initially, my dad said, Lord, I will go anywhere you want um, except for Florida or New England. The three places my dad went to candidate was Florida, New Hampshire, and a little town in Maine called Stratton, Maine. And I remember that uh, my dad just like, okay, Lord, <laughs> I, I surrender to whatever you want me to do, even if it's Florida or New England. And I just remember the process. My dad, he, he went, he candidated at the church there. Pastor Poole at the time was uh, the intern um, there. Um, helping the church there, and I, I remember when we moved there, it was a time of transition for our whole family. You see, we moved from the south, from North Carolina to New England, actually Maine. So you can imagine that there was somewhat of a culture shock. Um, I praise the Lord that I was, I was 12 years old, so it was, it was a little bit of an adjustment for me, but really it was pretty easy for me to just kind of fit right in. You know, but uh, especially my dad and my mom, they struggled a little bit more with that transition. And, uh, you know, it's not an easy thing to move away from everything you've known to a culture totally different. And I can't even imagine what it must be like to be um, a missionary going to a foreign land. But we experience times of transitions. And I, sometimes those transitions, they can be smooth. Sometimes there are trials involved with them. No matter... Uh, what is involved with that uh, transition? Sorry, I just had transmission problems too, so that's on my mind. <laughs> so, <laughs> aside from that, um, what's that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, aside from that, as we go through transitions, uh, there are three things that I saw that David did in this time of transition in his life. The three things where he acknowledged God and he acknowledged that God was the one that was in control. Then David, he asked God for direction. And then David, he acted upon 
the direction that God gave him. So tonight, before I get into the outline, I want to give some background. And this message is going to have a lot of background in it. And then there's going to be just a short little bit of application. All right. So um, in 1 Samuel, uh, that book deals primarily with Saul Um, his reign in David, and it just kind of gives us a picture that Israel is going through a kind of a transition themselves. They said, hey, we want no no more of these judges. We don't want any of that. We want to have a king like every other nation. And so they chose Saul. We know Saul was made king. Saul disobeyed God. Um, We can find that in uh, um, the uh, early chapters of 1 Samuel. Um, And then after Saul had sinned and God said, Saul, you're not going to be king anymore, uh, we just see that Saul really took that out on David because David was anointed to be the next king of Israel. So 1 Samuel, it shows us Israel's desire to be as other nations. Um, Then we come to 2 Samuel. And this book primarily covers the 40-year reign of King David. Now, the first half of the chapter, um, chapters 1 through really 1 through 10, um, it deals a lot with uh, David's victories and triumphs. Then the second half of 2 Samuel deals with uh, David's failure with Bathsheba and then um, the consequences of that sin that followed. So we are going to be right at the end of 1 Samuel going into 2 Samuel in that little transition. Um, so first, let's look at Uh, Saul's death, and uh, David also at this same time recovering um, uh, some things that were taken from him by the Amalekites. Uh, Let's look over at 1 Samuel chapter 29. Look over to 1 Samuel chapter 29. In uh, verse uh, 1, it says, Now the Philistines gathered together all their armies, to Aphek, and the Israelites pitched by a fountain which is in Jezreel. And the lords of the Philistines passed on by hundreds and by thousands. But David and his men passed on their rear reward with Achish. Then said the princes of the Philistines, What do these Hebrews here? And Achish said unto the princes of the Philistines, Is not this David, the servant of Saul, the king of Israel, which hath been with me these days or these years? And I have found no fault in him since he fell unto me unto this day. And the princes of the Philistines were wroth with him. And the princes of the Philistines said unto him, Make this fellow return. And we'll stop there. So, the Philistines have come to battle Israel. Um, They're actually up against Saul. This is the battle where Saul um, ends up having his life taken and his three sons with him. Um, The Bible doesn't say this, but just uh, based on some of David's... uh, um, some of the things that David did in earlier chapters of 1 Samuel, I believe David was going to be there um, really to turn on the Philistines and help Israel out in this battle. That's my opinion. The Bible doesn't say that. Um, you can study that out for yourself and, and see what you think. But it's my opinion that David was going to actually aid Israel in this battle. Um, but God had other plans for him. Uh, God, he... He uh, put it in the other um, Philistine lords' heart there, the princes, and they said, hey, wait a minute, this is David. We don't want this guy 
with us, especially behind us when this battle is starting. They're like, this isn't good, Akish. What are you thinking? All right. So they convinced Akish and Akish said, oh, OK, David, you need to go back. Uh, I think that was um, uh, God's providence in, in uh, two ways there. Um, God need, was going to deal with Saul. I believe if David had helped Israel in that battle, that Israel would have gained the victory. Um, it's one thing to be surprised by your enemy. It's another thing to think that your friend is going to help you and then ends up being your enemy. Um, there's just a, a different level of, of comfort in that situation. And the, Anyways, but I think that um, uh, David would have allowed Israel to have victory that day, but God... Um, he put it in the uh, prince, Philistine prince's heart to say, nope, can't have David. And so they sent David away. At this same time that David is with the Philistines, the Amalekites are ransacking Ziklag, where David and his men are living. And they take everything. They take all the women and the children. And the Amalekites, they run. So by the time David gets back, he comes and there's nothing left. So I believe God uh, used... Um, that instance there just to, to allow um, David really to be able to be set up as king of Israel, but also to recover the things that um, the Amalekites uh, had taken. Um, so now Saul dies in this battle. He dies on Mount Gilboa with his three sons, and uh, Israel is now without a king. Saul's cousin and chief captain, Abner, um, he runs. He takes off. He gets out of there. And seeing that he has no options, we can find this in, um, I believe it's chapter 31. Um, No, I'm wrong. It's over in uh, chapter 2. Chapter 2, um, verse 8. So Abner, uh, look at verse 8 of chapter 2 of 2 Samuel. But Abner, the son of Ner, captain of Saul's host, took Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and brought him over to Manan. So Abner, he gets out of there. He gets out, um, runs away from the battle. And once he has found safety, he starts thinking about uh, his options. David already has a chief captain in Joab. So Abner's thinking, hmm, this isn't going to work out very well for me. Um, I, need to, I need to figure something out. So he goes, he goes to Saul's uh, fourth son, Ishbosheth, and he really he sets him up as king. Uh, now Ishbosheth was not the rightful heir to the throne. Um, Jonathan's son Mephibosheth was. However, um, Abner went to Ishbosheth and says, All right, you're going to be king. And Ishbosheth is like, Well, okay. You know, I, I see Ishbosheth as a very weak man, um, a weak king. He, uh, he wasn't at the battle. The Bible doesn't tell us why, but Saul and three of his sons were there, but Ishbosheth was off doing who knows what. Abner sets him up as king, and we see later on that uh, Ishbosheth is uh, just a, a very uh, weak man and really had no power, and it was Abner who was behind that. So Abner, he is uh, really um, 
setting um, Ishbosheth up to be uh, the king over all of Israel. Now, at this time, David, he realized what just happened. He said, okay, God has anointed me king over Israel. So Saul is dead. Is this my time? We see that David, he inquires of the Lord. And he says, um, in chapter, I had this written down, but... Um, No. I think it's chapter 2. I'm sorry, I, I missed something in my notes. I think I got my pages mixed up when I cut them out earlier. So just give me a second here. Okay. One, two. Okay, yep, chapter 2, look down at verse 3. Uh, you know what, let's just start it. Let's start at verse 1 again. It says, And it came to pass after this that David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up into any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said unto him, Go up. And David said, Whither shall I go up? And he said, un, um, and he said Unto Hebron. So David went up thither, and his two wives also, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, Nabal's wife, the Carmelite. So, David, he inquires of God. He says, all right, um, I know I'm supposed to be king. What does God want? So he asks God. He says, Am I, do you want me to go up to Judah? God says, go up to Hebron. So David, he goes there. So, after David learns of Saul's death and his friend Jonathan, he mourns the loss of their lives. And then chapter 2, as we just read, we see that uh, David was aware of God's calling on his life to be king over Israel. And then uh, we saw that David inquired of God, asking him if the time was right for him to go to Judah, and God directed him to Hebron. So now, David is in Hebron for seven and a half years. Um, I believe the things uh, that follow... Um, concerning Ishbosheth and his reign over Israel, um, this is all in a two-year period of time, right after Saul's death. Um, Ishbosheth, he was king over Israel for two years, um, and in that two years, there was uh, kind of a civil war going on with Israel. Now, uh, as this uh, civil civil war was going on, um, Ishbosheth and his armies were growing weaker. And David was growing stronger. And uh, this was God's blessing on David's life. Now, at the end of Ishbosheth's reign, towards the end of it, um, Abner, he uh, takes one of Saul's concubines, and uh, it was really kind of a, a display of power, and Ishbosheth calls Abner out on this. Um, it was like a usurping the authority over the king, and Ishbosheth did not. Uh, did not like that, but uh, Abner, um, he uh, he kind of took care of that with Ishbosheth. If we look over, um, chapter three, 
and we look at verse 7. It says, And Saul had a concubine whose name was Rizpah, the daughter of Ea, um, of. However, you want to say that. And Ishbosheth said to Abner, Wherefore hast thou gone in unto my father's concubine? Then was Abner very wroth for the words of Ishbosheth, and said, Am I a dog's head, which against Judah do show kindness this day unto the house of Saul thy father, to his brethren, and to his friends, and have not delivered thee into the hand of David, that thou chargest me today with a fault concerning this woman? So do God to Abner, and more also, except as the Lord hath sworn to David, even so I do to him. And it continues on there, but basically Ishbosheth. Uh, he uh, calls out Abner, and Abner says, Wait a minute, look at what I've done for you. You have no right to be telling me this. And so this made Ishbosheth uh, uh, very fearful. Uh, this also set Abner off, and so he decided, he said, You know what? Forget this. I am going to David, and I'm going to negotiate with him and see what I can get out of him. So Abner, he goes to David and <clears throat> starts negotiations with him. Abner goes to the uh, leaders or the elders of Israel. Um, and so this time now is, okay, David is getting ready to be king over Israel. Um, things are starting to be set in motion. Well, Joab, during the time of civil war, uh, Joab and Abner were fighting. Uh, their armies were fighting against each other. And in the heat of the, or at the end of the battle, when things were going poorly for Abner, um, Asahel, Joab's brother, started pursuing Abner. And uh, a couple times Abner said, Stop, you know, don't, you need to, to, to stop following me. Don't do it anymore. And Asahel wouldn't, so Abner killed him. Well, Joab never let this go. He uh, let this just really. Um, uh, a root of bitterness really just grow in him, and he was uh, going to have his revenge on Abner. So, as Abner is now negotiating with David, Joab calls for a private meeting with Abner, in which he murders Abner, as I've said, in revenge for killing for Abner killing uh, Joab's brother Asahel. Now, when Ishbosheth learned of Abner's death, he becomes fearful, and soon after, two of Ishbosheth's captains decided it would be to their benefit to take Ishbosheth's life and bring David, the head of Ishbosheth. And we see that in chapter 4, verse, uh, verses 5 through 8. We won't turn there for sake of time. But so Abner um, is dead and Ishbosheth is dead. Uh, I, I always thought it was kind of funny. We have these two guys that go and they kill Ishbosheth. Right, and then they take his head, put it in a sack, and then they go to David. They're thinking, "Man, I, we're we're gonna be we're gonna get rewarded for this." You know, now there's nothing in David's way, and he's gonna be king, and we're gonna be you know some important people there in his kingdom. And I I picture these guys like you know you think back in Bible times, it seems like you know people were getting their heads lobbed off, things like that. I just picture these two guys running to David, and they've, they've got this sack. They're going, they reach a watering hole, and, you know, they're taking a break. And the guy standing next to him says, oh, hey, how's it going? Oh, these guys are, man, we've been running all night. And the other guy goes, 
hey, what you got in your sack? Oh, just a head. What do you got in yours? You know, it's kind of like, <laughs> you, you don't ask what people have in their bags and things like that in, in that day and age, right? So, you guys, you can smile a little bit. Please, help me out here, right? No, but it's just, it, I just, you know, that, that thought has gone through my head like, did anybody ask questions or were they just too scared to ask a question about these two guys running down the street or whatever with a, with a head in a sack? But anyway, so that was all free, by the way. Um, all right, so I know I've just been very scattered here. So let's just kind of go through it a little bit, try to go through it um, somewhat structured. Saul dies. David goes to Judah and is reigning in Hebron. He is there for seven and a half years. For the first two years, um, he is warring with Ishbosheth and Abner, and uh, there's just some civil war going on there, some unrest. At the end of the two years, Abner is murdered, Ishbosheth is murdered, and now there's nothing in the way for David to come up and reign in Israel. So, um, trying to put the timeline together. Um, this is nothing to go by, just from what I've studied, the best I can tell. There's going to be some time, roughly five and a half years here now, where um, David is still, still in Hebron, um, the best I can tell. If someone ha knows better than that, then um, you can come to me after the service. I'm more than happy to, to gain your knowledge there. But best I can tell, there's five and a half years where David is still in Hebron, and uh, at the end of that, that I believe is when uh, the elders of Israel finally say, okay, it's time, we need a king, let's go to David. So the elders of Israel go to David, and they say, all right, are you, will you be our king? David says, yep, that he goes up, he goes up to Jerusalem, sets up his kingdom there. Now shortly after this, we're coming closer to the text where we began, the Philistines, they get wind of this. Okay, so let's just go over to chapter 5. Chapter 5 of 2 Samuel. And we'll look at verse 17. The Bible says, But when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines came up to seek David, and David heard of it and went down to the hold. The Philistines also came and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. So here, I think the Philistines, they see uh, this is a moment when Israel is weak. They're going through a time of transition. David really isn't set up well yet, so this is our time to strike. We're going to take Israel. We're going to take that land back. God had other plans for them. Um, David, I'm sure this wasn't just a, a simple, it's just the Philistines again, let's go kill them. You know, right? I don't think he was flipping about it. Um, I think there, there might have been a little bit of stress there, a little bit of fear. Okay, what's going to happen? You know, I know I'm supposed to be king, but it just seems like every time the Lord's going to you know, put me in place to, to do something, Something else comes up, right? You know, and so I'm sure there was a little bit of stress there. Um, and uh, David, instead of uh, just acting and saying, Philistines are here, let's go kill them. He said, wait a minute. 
we need to stop. We need to think about this. And he went to the Lord first. So, that brings me, finally, to the outline. All right? David, he acknowledged God. He acknowledged God. David is such a great character to study because the Bible gives us uh, just such a clear picture of his life. It gives us a picture of David's victories, of his failure, of David's human nature. He was just like you. He was just like me. He went through trials. There were times where he was depressed, times where he was even away from God. But yet God still called him a man after God's own heart. It's because of the relationship that David had with him. Um, so David, he acknowledged God. Uh, I did a little bit of research um, uh, trying to, I don't know how accurate it is, uh, but I tried to find some of the Psalms that David wrote, if any, during this time. And one of them was Psalm 101. If you turn over there, Psalm 101. The, the Bible says, I will sing of mercy and judgment. Unto thee, O Lord, will I sing. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within mine house with a perfect heart. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. A froward heart shall depart from me. I will not know a wicked person. Whoso privily slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that hath an high look and a proud heart will not I suffer. Mine eye shall be upon the fearful of the land, that they may dwell with me. He that walketh in a perfect way, he shall serve me. He that worketh deceit shall not dwell within my house. He that telleth lies shall not tarry in my sight. I will destroy all the wicked of the land, that I may cut off all wicked doers from the city of the Lord. But David here, in the first couple of verses, he says, I will sing mercy and judgment unto thee, O Lord, will I sing. He was acknowledging God um, in that. And then also Psalm 18, if you would turn over there. Psalm 18, and look at verse uh, 32 and verse 33, the Bible says, It is God that girdeth me with strength, and maketh my way perfect. He maketh my feet like hinds feet, and setteth me upon my high places. David, he acknowledged God. He was uh, um, saying, God, I know you're in control you are the one who is to be honored and praised. And as David was going through these transitions in his life, he recognized that God was working on his behalf to fulfill the promises that David would one day be king. Even though David knew all of this, he still had struggles. And as I've mentioned before, at times he had depression when he was fleeing from Saul. He had low times in his life while a refugee. No matter what stage of life you're in, it is guaranteed that at some point in our future, we are going to face a transition in our life. Um, that could look like anything, a move, um, uh, potentially, um, you know, uh, moving uh, to a different state or God moves you, um, you know, onto another church to be serving there. I, I hope not. Uh, I hope that uh, God doesn't move anybody from Clinton. Uh, but... Um, God, it is up to God, but He is the one who moves us as we are trusting Him and seeking His will for our lives. 
we will face times of transition. It is so important that we make a habit now of truly acknowledging God and trusting Him. And there's no better friend that we could have than Jesus, who we are able to cast our cares upon because God, He cares for us. We must acknowledge God and acknowledge His working in our life. Proverbs 3, 6. I'm going to turn there because I know if I try to quote it from memory, I will mess it up. But Proverbs 3, 6 says, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and what? He shall direct thy paths. We need to acknowledge God. David, here he acknowledged God in 2 Samuel chapter 5. Secondly, David, he asked God for direction. There's 2 Samuel 5. It says, And David inquired of the Lord. There are four times uh, from 1 Samuel chapter 30 to 2 Samuel chapter 5 that we see David inquired of the Lord. David was concerned about doing God's will, God's way. In verse 19, David is seeking God's direction in how to fight the Philistines, and if he even should at this time. Now, God's assurance <clears throat> is emphasized when he told David that he would doubtless deliver them into thine hand. Often, when we go through transitions, that is a time when we desperately need wisdom, and we need wisdom from God. James 1.5 tells us, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that give it to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. When we are in a time of transition, we must seek and ask God for wisdom. And when we seek and ask Him for that, He will give us wisdom and direction for our lives. <clears throat> we are never alone, especially in difficult times. We can always be assured that when God calls us to do something for Him, He will doubtless be able to accomplish that, and He will give us the victory. We need to be willing servants, and in the process of living our life, we must acknowledge God and ask God for direction. We can always find the answers that we need from God's Word. <clears throat> I know from my own experience, and I'm sure many of you, when you've had times in your life where you didn't know what to do, you could go to God's Word. And there you would find the answer, either through a direct command in God's Word or uh, through biblical principle. God will show us His direction in His Word. So David, he inquired of the Lord, and God gave David assurance of victory, and God will do the same for you and I as well when we ask Him for His direction. So we see first, David, he asked, or he acknowledged, um, he acknowledged God. He asked God for direction. Thirdly, David acted upon the clear commands that were given to him by God. And chapter 5, verses 19 through 25, I will read that. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to the Philistines? Wilt thou deliver them into mine hand? And the Lord said unto David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into thine hand. And David came to Belperism, and David smote them there, and said, The Lord hath broken forth upon mine enemies before me, as the breach of waters. Therefore he called the name of that place Belperism. And there they left their images, and David and his men burned them. 
And the Philistines came up yet again and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, Thou shalt not go up, but fetch a compass behind them and come upon them over against the mulberry trees. And let it be when thou hearest the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees, that then thou shalt bestir thyself, for then shall the Lord go out before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. And David did so as the Lord had commanded him and smote the Philistines from Geba until thou come to Gezer. David knew that God did not intend for the Philistines to be in the land, and he knew that he should prepare to fight. When David inquired of God, God gave him clear direction in what he must do. He said, go up with the assurance of God's clear direction. David acted upon that, went and slew the Philistines. He did that the second time. Both times, he acted exactly as what God had told him to do. If you noticed, God gave him two different directions both times. Once, God said, go up. The second time, God said, wait. Don't go up. Go from behind. It is important that we don't, when we're faced with transitions or trials, that we don't just, you know, run right into it and be like, oh, i got to fix it, i got to fix it, okay, how can I do it? We need to stop and think about what we're doing and we need to acknowledge God, ask God for direction. And then when God gives us direction, then we, can, we must act upon that. In knowing God's will for our life and God's direction, especially when we're going through a transition or a trial, we must look for clear direction from God's word. Um, Psalm, I won't go there, but Psalm 27, 8 through 14 um, gives us some things there. Many times God, uh, God's will involves waiting. Joshua 1, 8, God's will is found in His Word. We know we can have success if we follow God's Word. We can know God's will through direct commands in the Bible, through principles for decision-making that are found in the Bible, and there should be no other indicators that would contradict or disagree with God's Word. That one's pretty clear. If you want to do something, and you say, oh, should I or should I not? But there's something in God's Word that says, nope, that's not the right thing. For instance, I'll just, let's, let's throw an extreme one out there, okay? Um, let's say I'm driving by a car lot. I see a really nice car that I really want. I know it is not God's will for me to have that car because if I was going to have that car, I'd have to steal it. All right? I know that's not God's will for me. Okay? That's the only way I could obtain that car is to steal it. I would never be able to afford that. Right? So um, that's just an, a, an extreme example. But God's word is uh, what we need to ultimately go to in decision making it. If the, anything that you want to do, you say, oh, I, I think I'm going to do this, but it's, it's not in, um, it's, it contradicts God's word, then you know that's not the right thing. Psalm 119, 9 through 11. <clears throat> Very familiar verses uh, to us. Psalm 
Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? Is by taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee, O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hidden mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. We must be in God's word to know his will for our lives, and we must take action when he reveals his will to us. I know I've given you a shotgun here of information, um, maybe even a little bit discombobulated. Well, it was discombobulated at times, right? But we see that as David was going through a great transition in his life, that he was trusting God. David, in this transition, he went through many trials in the process, but he succeeded because he acknowledged God in his life, he asked God for direction, and he acted upon God's clear commands. No matter where you are at in your life, if you will take these simple truths and apply them to your life, then you will gain the victory, just as God gave David the victory. Tonight, I hope that this is a help to you and that you will choose to acknowledge God, ask Him for direction, and then act upon what He gives to you. So I hope this was a help to you tonight, and I'm going to turn it over to Dad. Well, we'll pray first, and then I'll turn it over to Dad. So, Lord, I thank you for this time.